a sudden death announcement sending shockwaves through China. China's former CCP Premier Li Keqiang has died. What does his passing mean for Chinese politics and society? Top Gun in real life? A Chinese fighter jet flew within 10 feet of a U.S. bomber, adding to another occasion of over 180 such intercepts in recent years. A driving force behind Beijing's draconian pandemic policy, dead at 60 years old. That's after disappearing from the public eye in recent months due to health concerns. And strong words about Israel, Ukraine and China from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He describes how they all play into each other and his plan if chosen as U.S. Commander-in-Chief. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. An unexpected death announcement. China's former number two official, Li Keqiang, has died of a heart attack at 68 years old. What was Li's biggest mark as a premier? And how will his death impact China? Let's zoom in. Breaking news shocking many inside China. The country's former premier, Li Keqiang, has died at the age of 68. State media reports say he died of heart attack, but speculations are mounting over what caused his death. That's because sudden death announcements are extremely rare for such a high-level position. These officials have access to top-level medical care, and many prominent Communist Party leaders have lived until their 80s or 90s. Looking at his tenure, what was Li's biggest impact on China? Analyst Tang Jingyuan said he's widely seen as one of the least powerful premiers in modern China. Economically, politically, he didn't have any prominent achievements. Not only that, as Chinese leader Xi Jinping expanded and consolidated his power, it became even harder for Li to achieve anything. Li steered China's economy for a decade before stepping down this March, though he had been increasingly sidelined by Xi Jinping. Outside China, he's known for the term Li Keqiang Index. It's a measurement of China's economic progress. What sets Li apart from other top officials is that he's a technocrat. He didn't come from the family of a high-level party official before him. Li moved up the ranks after getting two PhD degrees from China's top university, and he was once seen as a contender for China's top leadership. Technocrats like him are like housekeepers for those princelings, the children of the Chinese Communist Party elites. Li's passing sparked an outpouring of grief on China's social media. Many expressed condolences, though comments expressing shock over his sudden death were censored. Analyst Tang Jingyuan said many Chinese citizens are unhappy with Xi's rule, and they're using Li's death to vent their dissatisfaction. Li's passing has sparked a huge impact inside China and the Communist Party. The reactions mostly come from a collective dissatisfaction with Xi Jinping's rule. They need a chance to vent. A lot of people have empathy for Li because he was pushed aside by Xi during his time. Tang noted it's unlikely that Li's death would spark any major upheaval, though he added that the future impacts remain to be seen. During his tenure, Li had expressed differences of opinion with top leader Xi Jinping on several occasions. The comments were heavily censored inside China. But those that did get shared publicly have shocked people inside and outside China. Watch. China has 600 million people whose monthly income is barely 1,000 yen. In 2020, China's GDP ranked second in the world behind only the U.S. So when Li Keqiang revealed that more than 600 million Chinese people took home an average monthly income of just $144, the news sparked immediate buzz. 
In another video from August 2020, Li visited China's financial and transportation hub Shenzhen, stopping by a key port. He told staff there that China needed to open up more and hinted that China's trend at the time wouldn't reverse course otherwise. Many believe he was referring to Beijing's strict policies and lockdown measures and saying that they hindered China's economic growth. But videos of his remarks were removed from Chinese internet sites soon after, suggesting that even such a high-ranking official cannot speak freely in the country if it goes against Beijing's top directive. Here's a clip from his last speech before he left office during China State Council in March. People often say the heavens have been watching what people are doing. It appears as though the heavens have eyes. The Chinese Communist Party pushes atheism as part of its core ideology. It's very unusual for a high-ranking official in China to reference the idea of a higher power. One of Beijing's top advisors for its infamous zero-COVID-19 policy reported dead on Friday. Wu Junyou served as chief epidemiologist at the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The 60-year-old had stayed out of the public eye in recent months while fighting cancer. Though a statement from China's CDC did not list cause of death, Wu spent three decades researching infectious disease control after getting his Ph.D. from the University of California, Los Angeles. The CDC noted his work included research on HIV and AIDS, SARS and COVID-19. He later became a driving force behind China's pandemic policy, but faced widespread criticism for publicly supporting the rules that saw millions trapped in their homes. Many of them faced limited access to food, necessities and medical care under extended lockdown. Others were forced into makeshift hospitals with poor conditions if they tested positive for the infection. Wu's death started trending after the news broke, becoming the second most searched topic on Chinese social media site Weibo. A Top Gun action sequence reportedly unfolding in the Indo-Pacific this week. The U.S. says a Chinese fighter jet flew dangerously close to a U.S. bomber in the area, with the military saying the Chinese pilot's actions, quote, demonstrated poor airmanship and put both aircraft in danger of collision. Just last week, the Pentagon released footage of over 180 similar Chinese incidents. Here's the latest clip. Less than 10 feet. That's how close a Chinese fighter jet got to a U.S. Air Force B-52 bomber on Tuesday. U.S. officials said the nighttime maneuver over the South China Sea nearly caused a collision, describing the Chinese pilot as using uncontrolled excessive speed flying below and in front of the B-52 in a Thursday statement. The news comes just as President Biden is expected to speak with China's foreign minister on Friday, and just hours after China released video footage on Thursday accusing a U.S. ship of engaging in, quote, provocative actions in the South China Sea. In response, the U.S. Pacific Fleet issued a statement describing those claims as inaccurate, adding that the video clips China released were just segments from a 90-minute interaction. Back to the mid-air incident, last week the Pentagon released footage of over 180 such interactions with Chinese fighter jets, all coming dangerously close to American aircraft in international airspace. The PRC can and must end this behavior, full stop. PRC stands for China's official name, the People's Republic of China. Another clip shows a Chinese jet flying 10 feet below a U.S. plane. In yet another close encounter, a Chinese jet again just 20 feet from an American jet. 
A powerful message from Florida governor and presidential candidate Ron DeSantis. The Israel-Hamas war benefits China. That's amid concerns that U.S. military funding and resources are being increasingly tied up in both Ukraine and the Middle East. Watch. So, yes, China, I think they like the Hamas-Israel conflict. And I'm not saying, I mean, Israel needs to defend itself, and they're a great ally of ours, and we'll support them of that. Uh, but the, these things, clearly, the way the world has gone the last uh, two years benefits China. There's no question. That's Florida governor and presidential candidate Ron DeSantis on Friday, speaking to American thought leaders host Yanya Kellick and Heritage Society president Kevin Roberts. He describes how China is the key player behind both the Ukraine and Middle East wars. The CCP is keeping both Iran and Russia afloat financially. China's purchasing massive amounts of Iranian oil on the black market, thereby enriching the mullahs. And Russia is selling China gas and, and much, much more. Uh, and that is bolstering Russia's war machine. And he says that poses an even greater concern for the United States. Now, lengthy conflicts, particularly between Russia and Ukraine, will ultimately benefit China because it will distract America and it will deplete our already dwindling Western weapons and ammunition stockpiles. As for how severe that threat is. The threat posed by the CCP requires our primary focus and attention right now. Our goal from a national security perspective vis-a-vis -vis the CCP is very simple. We win and they lose. To address that threat, DeSantis proposes an expansion of the U.S. Navy fleet with the additional pathway for 600 warships in the next two decades. He uh, also said President, that if elected, um, he'll make it easier for Taiwan to purchase advanced weapons. We cannot raise the white flag of surrender. We have time to get this right, but time is running out. As the West looks to counter China's growing global influence, DeSantis said a strong West will require more American leadership. More news from California. Governor Gavin Newsom visited the Great Wall of China on Thursday. This after talks with Chinese climate officials. Newsom is on a week-long tour of China where he's pushing for climate cooperation. It's now lost on me that we're in the Great Wall of China talking about how we can tear down the walls of division between our countries. We're here in the spirit of partnership, uh, in the spirit of the Commonwealth. California and China issued a declaration on Wednesday pledging to work together. California has an economy larger than most countries. Governors of the state have a long history of partnering with China. Zooming in on California, a city in the San Francisco Bay Area is the first in the nation to officially back Palestinians in Gaza. The Richmond City Council voted Wednesday to support a resolution doing so. The city mayor accused Israel of carrying out what he called a campaign of apartheid and collective punishment. The resolution calls Israel's actions a war crime. Council members argue that Israel is breaking international law by shutting off access to electricity, drinking water, food and aid. While a local official criticized the resolution for failing to condemn the Hamas terrorist attacks, Hamas invaded Israel on October 7th, killing an estimated 1,400 people and injuring about 5,000, mostly civilians. The group also took some 220 hostages.
The most sophisticated money laundering probe in Australian history. After a 14-month investigation, authorities charged seven people with helping a Chinese crime group launder over $140 million in dirty money. Let's zoom in. Australian police said the money remittance chain, known as the Changjiang Currency Exchange, was secretly run by the Long River Money Laundering Syndicate. The AFP alleges the Changjiang Currency Exchange which is one of the most prominent independent money remitters in Australia, is a front for a money laundering syndicate that transfers dirty money for large criminal enterprises. We think this is what probably the most sophisticated and most significant money laundering organisation that we have disrupted in Australia. More than 300 officers conducted 20 raids around the country and seized tens of millions of dollars worth of luxury homes and vehicles. The four Chinese nationals and three Australian citizens made their first appearance in a Melbourne court Thursday. Police said the syndicate coached its criminal customers on how to create fake business paperwork, like false invoices and bank statements, and that some of the laundered money came from cyber scams, the trafficking of illicit goods, and violent crime. The world's first AI safety institute is set to begin in the UK next week. China is on the guest list. Now, former UK Prime Minister Liz Truss is calling the invitation a mistake. She says China views AI, quote, as a means of stick control and a tool for national security. Here's more. I can announce that we will establish the world's first AI safety institute right here in the UK. <laughs> it will advance the world's knowledge of AI safety and it will carefully examine, evaluate, and test new types of AI so that we understand what each new model is capable of, exploring all the risks, from social harms like bias and misinformation through to the most extreme risks of all. His announcement comes ahead of a global summit on artificial intelligence next week. The summit will be held at a historic estate north of London. It once served as a base for World War II codebreakers. Sunak says China was invited to attend the summit, along with U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris and other guests from across the globe. But the decision to invite China has caused controversy in some quarters. Rishi Sunak said engaging with China may not be successful, but should be attempted because it is the world's second AI power behind the U.S. Former Prime Minister Liz Truss, meanwhile, said she's deeply disturbed by the invitation. She said Beijing has a fundamentally different attitude to the West, seeing AI as a means for state control, and urged Sunak to reconsider. Coming up, China's ex-premier Li Keqiang has died. Trained as an economist, Li was known for his reputation as a reformer, but later found himself sidelined by Communist Party leader Xi Jinping. Did he ever have the chance to fulfill his ambition of steering the Chinese economy? What might Li's death mean for China's economic policies, particularly its approach to opening up to the outside world? And how could it impact the United States? We sat down with Antonio Graceffo, China economic analyst, for details. More on that after the break here on China in Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The sudden death of China's ex-premier Li Keqiang may pose fresh challenges for his old boss. Could the public's affection for the loss of a popular reformer turn into frustration over a sluggish economy? And how will Li's death impact China's economic reforms? We speak to China economic analyst Antonio Graceffo for more. Antonio Graceffo, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back on the show. Good to see you, Tiffany. Now, China's ex-premier Li Keqiang died on Friday. He was known for his economic policies. How would you view his economic impact in China? Well, he was a reformer. Like he wanted, he he supported the private sector. He wanted to uh, cut the red tape, cut the taxes, give more freedom, more um, uh, towards entrepreneurship, because he understood, as an economist, he understood that it is the private sector that drives the economy. And it seems, you know, in theory, that was his definition. But how successful was he in a country that's under the Chinese Communist Party? Right. That's the unfortunate part of the story. This was his vision. This was his goal. He absolutely did not get to realize it. Now, previous premiers under you know previous leaders had more ability to not only make policy, but then to enact it. In uh, uh, Li Keqiang's situation, he was making policy, but then he had, he had no power to make it happen. Xi Jinping uh, basically chipped away at his ability, his power, his, his authority to influence policy. And so by the end, he was saying things, but they were having no impact. And on that point, Lee was removed from the standing committee during a party congress in 2022, and he left office in 2023, even though he was two years before his informal retirement. Why would Xi Jinping go after him? What was the difference in their policies? Well, aside from the fact that he was he was he wanted to liberalize the economy and Xi Jinping wanted to tighten up the economy. I mean, that is enough that you should fire that person, you know, if you're Xi Jinping, because he has completely different ideas than you do. But the other thing was, he was the last remaining person in a relatively high position in government that uh, had any ties to Hu Jintao and the Youth League. So if you remember from the uh, party congress in March of this year, uh, Xi Jinping purged the government of anyone who had ties to um, Hu Jintao. And Li Keqiang was one of the last remaining ones uh, that, that was tied to the, the Youth League. And on that point, what does his passing symbolize then? I think his, his passing really symbolizes that there will be no change. This is the Xi era. That's also a really important point. You know, the communist propaganda in 2013 was the Li Xi era. And now it's the Xi, the new era of Xi Jinping or something like that. Like basically the premier is not even mentioned um, even now, we don't see the, the current premier. We don't see him mentioned very often. So basically, the passing of Li Keqiang is very symbolic, and it symbolizes the end of any attempt to reform and open the Chinese economy. And zooming in on the policies last year when China had its zero COVID policies, Li was taking a different line from Xi Jinping. He was actually urging officials to stabilize the economy and not go overboard with the lockdowns. He also made a shocking remark about the poverty affiliation in 2020. China has 600 million people whose monthly income is barely 1,000 yuan. That's about 140 U.S. dollars. How do you read his comments? 
Yeah, he uh, he made a comment that was something to the effect of the best way to to check the health of the people would be to keep the economy going, to have a healthy economy. He was very much against the lockdowns, but he had to be careful because it's China. You can't really criticize. So he began his speech by saying something like, um, uh, you know, I praise uh, uh, Chairman Xi for uh, handling the country in such a difficult time and and, and this and that. Like he, he, he began by sort of complimenting the lockdowns, but it was obvious that he wanted the lockdowns lifted. And he appeared without a mask in public. Uh, he made a speech without a mask, which was was a really big symbolic gesture. And on that note, what was he what was his actual message that he was trying to say? I think he was very much against the lockdowns. He wanted to keep the economy open. And he actually made a comment that when uh, when they finally did uh, open the economy again, uh, you know, lifting lockdown restrictions. He made a comment, something like the river is not going to change directions. The world is not going to come to an end. You know, China will just continue, which which is exactly what happened. Now, very interestingly is that he has been replaced with the man who supported the lockdowns, if not, you know, directed the lockdowns. And given that Li Keqiang was an economist, what does his passing mean for the state of China's economy going forward? I really think it means there's no hope right now, there's no visual hope that the Chinese economy is going to liberalize. I think we're just going to see more Xi, more Xi, more Xi. She's just going to keep tight, tightening the Xi ratchet on the economy and on the uh, the, the social society. Uh, she wants to control everything, including the economy. Antonio Graceffo, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tiffany. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.